Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and it's also the feast day of St. Francis Xavier. So the second oration, secret and post-communion, comes from his Mass today. This Thursday is December 7th. It is the vigil of the Immaculate Conception. It is a day of fast and complete abstinence. That is, fast, of course, for adults 21 to 59, and complete abstinence, that is, no meat for those who are seven years and older. The following day is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of Our Blessed Lady. It is a holy day of obligation, and it is to be treated like a Sunday. Now, if it's necessary that you actually have to work on that day, there are two Masses to be available on that day to fulfill your obligation. There will be a 7 a.m. Mass and a 9 a.m. Mass on this Thursday. So again, if it's necessary, if you have to go to work, then it's understandable, but do treat it as a holy day, treat it as a Sunday. Also, since it is a Friday, a holy day is on a Friday, the abstinence is dispensed on that day, so we may have meat on this Friday. Also, the annual Christmas bake sale is this coming Saturday, December 10th. Goods will be available after both masses and the proceeds will be used to install a custom iron emblem over the cemetery gate. There are examples of it in the vestibule and various pictures. So um, please bring your baked goods and packaged and priced to the lunchroom before mass next Sunday. And if you're willing to volunteer to help with the coffee and the booth and the, the bake sale itself, please contact Sarah Rollins or Mary Cook. Also in the chair of your prayers, I'd ask you to please pray for the repose of the soul of Bishop Clarence Kelly. Bishop Kelly died yesterday evening in Round Top, and his funeral will be forthcoming. So if you kneel down now, please join me in praying for the repose of his soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, and will be without end. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. May he rest in peace. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed to the mercy of God rest in peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The epistle of read for the first Sunday in Advent is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans. Brethren, knowing the time that is now the hour for us to rise from sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is past and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and impurities, not in contention and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Gospel. This is gospel taken from St. Luke, chapter 21, verse 25 through 33. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, There shall be the signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, by reason of the confusion of the roaring of the sea and the waves, men worthying away for fear of expectation of what things shall come upon the whole world. For the powers of heaven shall be moved, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and majesty. 
But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. And he spoke to them of similitude. See the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth their fruit, you know that summer is nigh. So you also, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen, I say to you, this generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Those are the words of today's Holy Gospel. But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the Gospel today, our Divine Redeemer directs our attention to the end of the world and the last judgment. He speaks of the terrible signs which shall appear in the heavens, and when the light of the sun shall grow dim, when the moon shall no longer give her light, and the stars shall fall from the firmament, and the world shall be covered in darkness. He speaks also about those other signs which then will appear upon the earth, the violent disturbance of the sea, the distress of nations, the withering away of men because of fear. All these things warn us as we begin this new ecclesiastical year to begin it with serious thoughts, serious thoughts about our own end so that we may advance towards our eternal inheritance. When these things become to pass, look up, says our Lord. Your redemption is at hand. St. Paul says, now is the hour to rise from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we believe. The night is past and the day is at hand. And then he says, to continue, he says, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Last Sunday and today, we are doubly warned and encouraged to sanctify ourselves, to travel towards our heavenly goal. And yet, for many, these merciful dispensations of divine providence are profitless. Time passes away, the years, the months, the days. They rush swiftly by, and there is no growth in virtue, no real progress in holiness that is able to be discerned in their souls. And for this reason, St. Paul exhorts us today to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The care of our soul is the most necessary duty of our entire life. All other cares which we engross our attention have reference to perishable things, have reference to our earthly life. But there is no care or duty as pressing and as important as that of the salvation of our souls. All other cares in the world are transient. They're superficial, they're trivial. Not that we're not supposed to do our duty, our daily duties, no. But our daily duties are all transient and they be referred to the duty of our salvation. The care of our souls involves our deepest and our holiest interests. And in the end, it results in the decision of our lot for all eternity. Before many years, this body of ours, the object of so much solicitude, which we feed and close so carefully, will return to the dust. The goods and joys of life are as glittering dust, which will be swept away by the storm preceding the general judgment, and which are of no value in the sight of God or of the saints. Our souls, however, our souls will not die. They will not decay. Their eternal happiness or misery 
depends upon our care or carelessness in their regard. There is no greater necessity than to care for a mortal soul. And this affair cannot be neglected without incurring the greatest damage. Many difficulties and setbacks may result from the neglect or carelessness of our conduct in earthly affairs, but temporal calamities are really irremediable and utterly deprived of any good. All temporal things may be given back to man or at least have the consoling thought that at the loss there's a hope for a greater thing in the future. But if there is indifference concerning our salvation and our soul is once lost, then there's no repairing the damage because it is lost forever. Nothing can compensate for this loss. Not a single moment of the time wasted for the care of our souls will be given back to us for a second time. The person who has had who has not saved his soul for eternal life in the short span of life allotted to him is cast into the exterior darkness. And there is no care upon which such momentous interests depend. The care admits of no delay and no substitute. Time flies with lightning speed and it seems as though time is going faster and faster and faster. And we should not waste a single moment of it. The day which we have not used and put off is already lost. What is neglected today for the salvation of our soul cannot be recovered tomorrow. There is no certainty in tomorrow. There's no certainty in the next day. There is only certainty in this moment, today and now. And we cannot employ a substitute in this matter. All our care must be about our immortal soul, which God has given to each and every one of us. No friend on earth or in heaven can take our place in this most important affair. Our Lord has asked us, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Oftentimes we should ask ourselves the question which the young man in the gospel asked our Lord. Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? The care of our soul is not only most necessary, but it's the most sublime business and duty of our life. In the judgment of the world, a soul is of very little value, a valueless creature. And we see that in the world, there are unjust laws made to kill the innocent. There are millions are bound in chains of slavery. They're only prized like animals for their physical beauty or their strength. And more and more, even more so, are they looked upon as the property of the state, as they are in the communist countries, and used as slaves in the places where they poison their own lives so that others can live lives of ease and comfort. But what is a human soul in the eyes of God. It's a jewel, a jewel of such value that human reason cannot even comprehend it. For all eternity, the souls of men have been the objects of God's thoughts. 
He made the soul according to his own image and likeness. And for this reason, it surpasses the beauty and dignity of all visible things. He built the universe for the soul. And he led it so it can lead us into his own palace. All visible things are assigned to serve the human soul. God the Son himself left his glory in heaven and became man and embraced the life of poverty and suffering for the sake of souls. He shed his most precious blood to cleanse our souls from sin. He established a church and he dwells day and night in our church. And the most blessed sacrament is an unceasing proof of his love for human souls. The Holy Ghost has consecrated the human soul and is his temple in order to make his abode with his Father and the Son in the soul of man. He's adorned it with the richest of his graces. He descends into the human soul with a sevenfold stream and lightning and the brightness of a human wisdom. He's the counselor and the strengthening of the soul. He gives to the soul a name of a saint appointed to watch over it as a patron, and he commits that soul to the care of a guardian angel. This is the value of a soul in Almighty God's eyes. But what about the devil? How much value does the devil put on a human soul? He is willing to give all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them to purchase one soul. Knowing how highly God prizes a soul and knowing how much the devil wishes to own just one soul, how foolishly the great majority of men act. They live as though they had no soul. They exchange their priceless treasure for a perishable thing of the world for some sinful enjoyment. They barter away the very bride of heaven entrusted to their care for the gratification of some base lust and passion. They are convinced, as we are convinced of the value of the soul, we should make every sacrifice. No sacrifice should be too great, no effort too difficult for the salvation of the one soul entrusted to us by Almighty God. Our Lord has told us, he says, my yoke is sweet and my burden is light. He calls his service and the salvation of our soul a burden and a yoke. But he says his yoke is sweet and the burden is light. He encourages us to the joy and the delight which will be our proportion, portion when we persevere to the end. That which a divine Savior requires from us is that we have a living faith. He commands us to love him with our whole heart, our whole strength, our whole soul, and it's not impossible when we realize who God is. He commands us to keep his commandments. If thou wilt enter into life, he says, keep the commandments. They're the foundations of our happiness in this life and in the life to come. Christ himself has done the great work of our salvation, but he also gives us the grace that we may finish that work. And he will help us to accomplish it by the grace that he gives to us each and every day, every day. And we should be able to say with the words of St. Paul, I can do all things. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Our loving Savior has solemnly promised he will reward every effort 
made for love of him, for the salvation of our souls. No work accomplished, no sacrifice made for God is fruitless in the sanctification of our souls. So my dear faithful, as we enter this new church year, we are to continue to have the resolve to do all that is necessary to increase our love of God, to be diligent in the care of the one immortal soul that God has entrusted to our care so that in the end we may look up, lift our heads and look up because our redemption is at hand. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.